0: Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul
1: Gonzalez in Los Angeles. On Friday, Governor Gavin Newsom took a big step to ban fracking in California. That's the type of oil extraction that environmental activists have pushed to end for decades because of such dangers as the contamination of groundwater. With more, here's KQED climate reporter Ezra David
0: Romero. Hydraulic fracturing or fracking is the process of injecting a high-pressure cocktail of water, chemicals, and sand into the ground to establish an oil well. Newsom's order does two things. It would ban new fracking permits by 2024. Secondly, he's asking the California Air Resources Board to find ways to phase out oil extraction across the state by no later than 2045. Deborah Sevis is an attorney with the Stanford Environmental Law Clinic.
1: I'm glad to see the governor moving along instead of kind of passing the buck to the legislature. But it doesn't go all that far, partly because fracking's not a huge piece of the puzzle here.
0: Even though fracking makes up only about 2% of all oil extraction in the state. Parts of the oil industry said they will fight the mandate. For the California Report, I'm Ezra David Romero.
1: The oil industry says the ban will hurt the state economically and cost thousands of jobs. And let's stay on energy. An official with the state's Public Utilities Commission has ruled that SoCal Gas wrongly used money from ratepayers to lobby against energy efficiency standards. The ruling also found the utility used customer money to fight proposals aimed at limiting the use of natural gas in buildings. Mark Chediak from Bloomberg News
0: has been following the story. SoCal Gas would have to refund customer money that was used for this lobbying effort. And they are also prohibiting SoCal Gas from doing this kind of activity in the future. But the CPUC
1: failed to impose fines on the utility, and that's left environmental and watchdog groups blasting the decision. They've called for regulators to fine SoCal gas more than $250 million to prevent it from doing the same thing in the future. A spokesperson for SoCal gas tells Bloomberg News they, quote, appreciate the finding that no violations, fines, or penalties are warranted. The decision now goes to the five commissioners at the CPUC for final review. With the deadline for validating signatures fast approaching, Governor Newsom will almost surely face a recall election later this year. And there are several Republican candidates lined up looking to replace him, the latest being reality star and former Olympian Caitlyn Jenner. Former San Diego Mayor Kevin Faulkner and businessman John Cox have also thrown their hats into the ring. KQED Politics Editor Scott Schaefer reports on some hard lessons Democrats learned when Governor Gray Davis faced a recall 18 years ago years ago, and was ousted from office.
2: In July of 2003, California's top election official, Kevin Shelley, made a somber announcement.
0: As California's Secretary of State, it is my duty today to certify the first recall election of a governor in California history.
2: In California, there are two questions on a recall ballot. The first, should the governor be recalled, yes or no? And second, if the governor is recalled, who should the new governor be? Waiting in the wings that year, one candidate towered over the rest. I'm going to run for governor of the state of California. On The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, action movie star Arnold Schwarzenegger announced he was in. Republican operative Sean Walsh was there.
0: It was just a perfect Hollywood type of campaign event that happens once in a generation, and he was the right person at the right time to capitalize on it.
2: Then, like now, one question loomed large for Democrats who opposed the recall. Should a prominent Democrat get into the race as a backup? in Case Davis is recalled, you know, just to make sure a Democrat wasn't replaced with a Republican. Cruz Bustamante was the Democratic lieutenant governor at the time. At first, Bustamante said he would not run on the recall. How sure was he?
1: Absolutely, absolutely, 100%.
2: But Bustamante soon changed his mind.
1: I'm here to tell everyone to vote no on the recall and yes on Bustamante.
2: Gary South was Gray Davis' campaign consultant. And so to say no on recall... Yes, on Bustamani was oxymoronic to the average voter, and people didn't get what it meant. But as Bustamani saw it, he was trying to be a kind of insurance policy for Democrats.
1: I decided to run in this race in order to protect the state against the kind of politics that I believed Arnold would bring to the state.
2: While some Democrats fumed when Bustamante got in, GOP consultant Sean Walsh says Team Schwarzenegger had a very different reaction.
0: High fives, low fives, toasts, tequila shots, rum raisin, ice cream. It was a party all the way around if you were a Republican.
2: At the time, Gray Davis was enormously unpopular, with approval ratings in the 20s. So beating the recall was always going to be a tough climb. But South says by jumping in, Bustamante caused even more problems for Davis. For one, it upended the message that the recall was a Republican plot. And some voters saw it as a way to replace the disliked Davis with the first Latino governor. So Arnold was clearly our biggest problem, but Bustamante was a close second. Bustamante, a Central Valley Democrat, had a hard time raising money and was no match for the star power of Schwarzenegger.
1: I knew what the consequences would be. If I lost, it may shorten my career. And I made the decision to run despite that.
2: Looking back, Bustamante says his decision to run was selfless.
1: I was taking one
2: for the team. But the team sure didn't appreciate it. Not only was Davis recalled, but Bustamante finished with 31% of the vote, far behind the winner. Thank you very much to all the people of California for giving me the great trust. Three years after that, Bustamante, who was still lieutenant governor, ran for state insurance commissioner, losing to a novice Republican, making him the last incumbent Democrat to lose a statewide election.
1: I have no regrets. So whatever came after that isn't good or bad. It just is. I'm very at peace with all of that.
2: With another recall heading for the ballot, Newsom's advisors are circling the wagons to make sure no other Democrat jumps in but at least one is rumored to be thinking about it, former Los Angeles Mayor Antonio Villaraigosa. For The California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer.
0: A young correctional officer. He said it was the most dangerous prison in California. Forced to make a choice.
2: Fulfill his oath or back his fellow officers.
0: Recognize the badge of my office.
2: I'm Suki Lewis. From KQED Podcasts comes On Our Watch Season 2, New Folsom. A story about who gets hurt when the system that promises to keep us safe is bent on protecting itself. Find it wherever
0: you listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Tyler Foggett. Join me and my colleagues as we go beyond the headlines and deepen your understanding of the forces shaping our world today on The Political Scene, a newly updated podcast from The New Yorker. With episodes three times each week, The Political Scene accesses the sharpest minds in politics for insight and analysis about everything from abortion rights to the war in Ukraine. Make sure you're following The Political Scene, available now wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Over the weekend, California's Armenian American community celebrated President Biden's decision to officially recognize the genocide of about a million and a half Armenians by Ottoman Turks between the years 1915 and 1918. It's something that many American presidents have pledged to do, but then retreated from because of Turkey's strategic importance to the US. A large Armenian American rally was held on Hollywood Boulevard on Saturday, which was Armenian Genocide Remembrance Day. We have been struggling for justice, not just for decades, but for over a century. At the rally, the California report spoke to Maria Nagapachian, who came with her young son and daughter. She was elated with President Biden's declaration. First and foremost, I think it's a very proud moment to acknowledge the fact that finally, once and for all, Our nation could be recognized with the horror we have lived through for the 106 years of yelling, screaming, but yet nobody heard our voice. But we are still proud, and it is still a historical moment for us to stand amongst everyone else to be able to speak of the genocide and proudly say, America has accepted. Being an Armenian American, I am extremely proud of this moment. However, many Armenian Americans we spoke with, like Mike Novarsardian, hope that U.S. genocide recognition will be followed at some point by Turkey's acknowledgement of the massacres and the payment of reparations. My ancestors were wiped out. There's families that don't exist anymore because of this. To you, the need to do this yeah, far this earlier sh- was obvious. Obviously. I mean, and the fact is that everybody knows about it. American journalists were back then in 1915 who have reported on this. You know, there's there's documents, there's, there's pictures. I mean, you can't deny the truth, right? But for political ties, it has been denied. The Consul General of Turkey in Los Angeles quickly took issue with President Biden's announcement, saying in a statement, Turkey vehemently rejects the statement by the president, which lacks scholarly and legal basis. This will hurt our bilateral relations and undermine dialogue efforts for peace and stability in the region. L.A. County has the largest Armenian community outside of Armenia itself. Last night's Academy Awards was held at L.A.'s Union Station, which is only a few short blocks away from Skid Row.
3: Hey,
1: this area on the east side of downtown L.A., covering about 50 city blocks, has long been the epicenter of California's homelessness crisis, where thousands of people, many of whom are grappling with extreme mental health and addiction problems, live in squalid conditions, sometimes for years at a time now a federal judge has issued a landmark ruling he wants local authorities to move skid row's homeless off the streets and into shelters and the judge wants it done by october plenty of people are weighing in for and against the ruling including the city and county of los angeles which have announced they'll appeal arguing the ruling goes beyond the judge's authority and steps on current strategies to get the homeless housed but what do the actual residents of Skid Row think about the plan and the realities of getting the homeless off the streets? The California report went to Skid Row to sample opinions. Ronald Simpson has been on and off the streets here for over 20 years and says conditions, especially during the pandemic, have gotten worse.
3: It's a death trap waiting to happen for people that's down here. And if they don't do something soon, uh, uh, this is going to blow up. I mean, have you ever been out in the street in the rain and it's pouring down rain or it's freezing cold and you have nowhere to go? These tents don't hold back that rain. When it rains, it rains hard and they're getting wet. You got rats running in and out of the tents, biting them and all kinds of things are going on. And it's, it's not getting better, it's getting worse. But
1: Quincy Brown, who's a street preacher on Skid Row, says for as terrible as it is, many homeless might be reluctant to leave even if offered immediate shelter.
3: You have a, a freedom out here that, in that you don't have anybody really over you to tell you this time you gotta do this, this time you gotta do that. And to take that away from, for many, I believe it won't be good. They wouldn't go for that. They wouldn't go for that. They wouldn't go for that. Uh, it's like a, like having somebody over your shoulder, your mama telling you you gotta be home. And a lot of people will rather just say, I, I deal with the weather. I'll deal with, you know, whatever comes. They'd rather
1: have the challenges, than, you're saying, than, and a than, kind of than freedom be, yeah, than, be than ruled, being sheltered. Sheltered and rules. ruled. Right. Hunter, who's fought drug addiction and been the victim of violent crime on Skid Row, says if authorities are serious about getting this neighborhood's homeless people off the streets for good, they'll have to offer more than just temporary shelter, like what's called for in the judge's ruling.
3: The big problem is making them feel safe when you house them, making sure that they are in the right state of mind to stay in the place where you put them. What do you
1: think would be necessary to get a lot of people to agree to leave Skid Row to live someplace else?
3: To give them some type of permanent housing. You know what I'm saying? I can understand if you're in a program for so long, but they need to build more places for these people to go.
1: So not just any kind of place that's short term or temporary?
3: No. Not just any kind, short, temporary. I can understand. Okay, you're putting them in the project room key.
1: That's a state program to get yeah, people into yeah. motels and hotels. Yeah, you
3: need to b- make sure that you put them in some place where they be safe. Cause downtown, the places downtown and these hotels and stuff that they that they have down here is not safe for people that's trying to get their lives together.
1: And that is the California Report for Monday, April 26th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Have a great day.
3: Support for the California Report comes from the law firm Perkins Coie, a trusted legal advisor to innovative companies and industry leaders throughout California and the world. Learn more at PerkinsCoie.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, working to advance the frontiers of ocean research, sharing the connection between life on land and life at sea with everyone everywhere. Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org AdaptingCare. Support for this podcast
0: comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown March 27th through the 31st with two electrifying programs and five works springing from Cartoon, The News, and Human Connection. Dance/Downtown. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with Instant Pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, and I hope you'll join me on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Every Thursday, I'm getting the inside take from the best reporters in the country,